Good morning, everybody. I'm so excited to be here this morning. Do you know, this is my first time speaking in a Salvos church. But Reverend Pam down here um, said to me, look, it's not a normal Salvos church. I said, what, there's no timbrels? I'm so disappointed. I wanted the timbrels. <laughs> now, I have to warn you, the spirit of cheekiness has come over me this morning. I don't know what it was. Um, I think it was partly due to the fact I spent time with your pastor over the weekend. And she's so cool. Did you know that? I, I said to um, Jenny, my executive angel yesterday, executive assistant, I mean, um, I said, I, just wondering, like, it, this Pam lady... She's the principal of this, you know, very significant school, and she's a senior pastor of a church. I'm like, how does she do that? Like, she's a superwoman. And then we, uh, yeah, 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 you're right. And then we found out, we found out she has a husband. And um, so Ian, wherever, super man, husband, there he is. But honestly, it's such a joy to be here today. Who was at the Brave Conference yesterday? How good was it? Sneakily, I didn't expect it to be that good. Because Newcastle. And also, I heard that this was the first time you've done it. And I'm like, what? Are you sure you haven't done this ten times in a row? You look like you know what you're doing. So... Oh, isn't it? It's always good to be surprised. Uh, but yeah, look, it's such a joy to be here with you this morning and thank you for have, having me. I feel like we're connected straight away and, you know, just hearing a little bit of your story, I just felt so passionate to see, you know, the Salvation Army has incredible heritage and incredible legacy, apart from the fact that they liked women from the beginning. Um, but just the legacy that is there and the work that you're doing in this church setting a standard and pioneering life in this church denomination that everyone thinks is a charity. No one knows the Salvos is a church that was birthed out of a desire to bring salvation to the planet. Um, You know, you guys are a pioneer in what you bring to the world of the Salvos. So thank you for what you've done. And I, that worship this morning was just legendary. I mean, I'm from Hillsong my church so you know (laughs) you guys were up there thank you team amazing do you know it was the year 2000 and my senior pastor presented me with a new opportunity she said Tanya I want you to go into this this situation this church has died and um, it's 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 a bad situation there's been some conflict and issues and I want you to go in for three months and kind of like a reconnaissance and check it out and at the end of the three months let us know whether you would like to you recommend whether the church is closed down or whether it's worth restarting it again so I went in there and my pastor was right. It was a disaster. It was worse than I expected, apart from the fact that it was in the red light district of Melbourne where I was originally raised. It was full of conflict. It had no money. There were five people left, and the five people left weren't exactly your dream team. Um, one of the biggest problems we had at our first leadership gathering was what do we do with one of our team members' body odour. When you walked in the room, it hit you and sent you straight back out the door again. These were the problems that we faced. And so... At the end of the three months, it looked bad. Everyone said, this is a very sad situation. Bail. Quick. Get out. But I went back to my pastor. At the end of the three months, we agreed that we shouldn't bail, that we should start it again. The only reason we made that decision was because of this one reality, and that was that God had 
spoken. It went against all common sense, all wisdom, all natural circumstances, but God had spoken. But the question is, well, how do we know it was God? This was a risky situation. This didn't look good. There wasn't any hope naturally for this to succeed. How do we know if it was God? Isn't that the question we all have? I was 21 years old when I first started to learn to hear God's voice. And I remember asking this question, God, but what what if I get it wrong? How do I know it's you? How do I know it's not just something I made up, not a figment of my imagination? The leader of the Boko Haram terrorist organization a few years ago kidnapped nearly 300 teenage girls and said that God told him to do it. An ex-pastor in the States in the 90s shot an abortion doctor dead and had the confession when he went and faced the execution, it was capital punishment in his state, that God told him to do it and he was expecting to receive his reward when he entered heaven. God told me. How do we know? How do we know if it's God? This is the question I've asked myself. There's another man in the Bible who lived many years ago. He had that same question. He was also faced with an impossible situation, a little bit more extreme than my church situation, but um, a lot more dire, shall we say. And God spoke to him and said, Gideon, I want you to go in and take Israel to defeat their enemies. Seven years had passed and the Midianite army had been oppressing the nation of Israel. They'd been invading their land, driving out their livestock, sending them into the caves. And God speaks this very unlikely choice. You may have read the story. Unlikely because Gideon was the least in his tribe. He was the youngest in his family. He had no experience leading nations. And God says, Gideon, I want you to lead these people. It was a scary situation. And Gideon faced the same question that we all do. How do we know it's God? It's the question that I asked myself when I first started to hear God's voice. And it's what I want to talk to you about this morning. How do we know when God is speaking to us? And we're going to look something at the life of Gideon to learn from it. But before I do that, I want to just mention a few of my resources. Um, Pam mentioned I have a great team. Uh, my ministry is full-time now. I travel around the world and I speak to people about this topic. I love what I do. It's, it's such a blessing because it's so important that we know the voice of God. Jesus said, when I leave the planet, I'm going to send you my spirit And my spirit's going to answer your questions. The things I haven't yet told you, he's going to speak to you about. So this is what my ministry does. And I'm going to give away some resources this morning. Is that okay? Sound good? What have we got here? This first one here, this one's called The Other Side of the Conversation. And it's kind of like a step-by-step teaching process about how to hear God's voice. This one here, I'm going to give this one away. This is called Does God Speak in Dreams? It's definitely the most fun way to hear God's voice. Has anyone ever heard God's voice in a dream? A few of you? Yeah? It's a bit odd, isn't it? Does anyone think it's a bit strange? Yeah. Oh, no, I did. I thought it was very, I thought it was strange. When God first started speaking to me in dreams and things happened and I was like, whoa, this is really weird. And I was a bit embarrassed. I was like to my friends, oh, it's a bit weird. What do you think? They said, yeah, 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 it's weird. And I, and I spoke to my pastor and my pastor said, yeah, you're weird. <laughs> but then I read my Bible and I realized oh, it's okay because they were weird too. It's one of the most popular ways that God speaks. 
to people in the Bible. Who has never had a God dream and would like to have one? First hand up, this gorgeous woman here. There we go, that one's for you. And this one here, how do I know it's God? A little bit what we're talking about today. It's an MP3 you can download from godconversations.com. Would anyone like that one? Maybe someone who's, are you Bronwyn? Is this, what was your name? Anne, where's Bronwyn this morning? Oh, that's Bronwyn. Hi, lovely to meet you, Anne. Bronwyn, would you like a book? Welcome back to health. Celebrate the miracle with you. This one's called God Conversations. That one's for you. There we go. Welcome back. All right. Let's pray, hey, as we look at this topic. Father, we thank you that you're a God who speaks that you're a God who knows us. You're a personal God. You don't stand at a distance, but Lord, you want to walk and talk with us on the journey of our lives. And Holy Spirit, we invite you this morning to speak. I pray that you will encourage. I pray that you will lead. I pray, Lord, that you will give us great wisdom and understanding and that most of all, we'll know you more. All God's people said... Amen. Amen. We're going to look at three questions. Three questions of Gideon's story. The same three questions we often ask. The first one is this, what does God sound like? The second one is, how do I know if it's God? And the third one is, what do I do with it when it comes? What does God sound like? I wondered that when I first started this journey. What does he sound like? Does he have a big booming voice? Or does he speak in a soft, mystical whisper? Does he speak Australian? Does he have a Jewish accent? What does God sound like? What did God sound like for Gideon? Have you ever read the story? Judges chapter 6 and and 7. Hands up if you know the the answer. How did God speak to to, um, Gideon? Anyone know? An angel. How good would that be? How good would that, an angel, has anyone ever had an angel of the Lord speak to them? Yeah? No? It would, be, it, would, it, would, it would feel so good, wouldn't it? Like that would be kind of cool. God often spoke through angels in the Old Testament and sometimes in the New Testament as well. We see that happening, particularly in the Old Testament, he spoke to the prophets. And he also spoke to the prophets in visions and dreams. And as time goes on, what happens? How does God speak? Well, he speaks in the old times through the prophets and then it says that, When the time was right, he spoke through his son. And everything that Jesus said was God's word to us. But not only that, he was the word in the flesh, the living word, the walking, talking word. Everything Jesus did was God's word to us. It was God's perfect message to us. And then what happened? Well, Jesus said to his disciples, hey guys, I gotta go. I'm leaving. Can you, can you imagine how the disciples felt? It would have been easy for the disciples to hear God's voice, wouldn't it? Because Jesus was living right amongst them. They, they could walk and talk with him. They could walk along the streets of Jerusalem and they could ask him questions. Jesus, what do you think about this? How good would that be? It's like having coffee with Jesus. And they would listen to him preach on the steps of the temple. They could ask him questions as they're drinking bread and wine in the dining halls of the city 
How good would that be? And then Jesus says, I'm leaving. What? You're leaving? Uh, Jesus, we, we've, we've got to go into all the world and preach the gospel and change the world and you're leaving? We don't know how to do this. We're going to need some help. Who are we going to talk to? Jesus says, don't worry. I got it. I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. And my Spirit is going to speak to you. My Spirit's going to remind you about the things I've already told you. And my Spirit's going to talk to you about the things to come. He's going to talk to you about the questions that you have, about the things you need to live and about the things you need to do to build my kingdom. He's going to keep walking and talking with you and it's going to be better. You know why? Because my spirit is going to go further than the steps of the temple. My spirit's going to go beyond the streets of Jerusalem. My spirit is going to go beyond the dining halls. It's going to go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and even to North Lakes. How does God speak to us? What does he sound like? He speaks to us via his Holy Spirit, doesn't he? It's a spiritual voice that can speak to us wherever we are. That's how God spoke to me. I was sitting in a prayer meeting. This was a year before. I was sitting in a prayer meeting and we were about halfway through. There were about 20 of us there. We were praying for our church in in Melbourne where I'm originally from. And I had these three words form in my mind. I knew it was from God, but I had no idea what it meant. The words were, till the soil. What does that mean? <laughs> Sounded like a farming thing. <laughs> till the soil. Do I, do I look like a farmer girl? What does it mean, what, what does it mean to till the soil? Uh, what, what soil should I be tilling? I'll start flicking through my Bible. Oh, I can't find anything there. What is that? Did I make it up? Was, was that you, God? I don't know. Oh, I forget it must have been my imagination. Just forget about it. The prayer meeting continues. At the end of the prayer meeting, my, one of my friends comes up to chat and says, Tanya, I had an interesting thing happen to me during the prayer meeting. I had a vision of you. I saw you standing on the edge of a new field that hadn't been tilled yet. What does that mean? Because Noel knew a lot more about farming than I did. He explained that tilling is what the farmers do to prepare the soil for planting. It was a new field that hadn't been tilled yet. He said, I think you need to leave. I spoke to my pastor the next day. He said, "Um, we talked about it. We realised that God was calling me to prepare to plant a new church. God was speaking by his spirit. A year passed. And one morning I had a dream. And in the dream I heard God saying, this is it. Today's the day. This is the moment that you've been waiting for. The beginning of your church planting journey. Wow. What's going to happen today? Oh, I went to the church office. I went to my, 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 my pigeonhole. Is there anything in there? Empty. Went to my computer, opened up my inbox. Is there, is there anything in there? No, nothing there. That morning, my senior pastor comes up and says, Tanya, I have a new opportunity for you. 
she began to tell me about this church that had died. God was speaking. How is he speaking? What does he sound like? He sounds like the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit that goes with us wherever we go. This voice of the Spirit that was given to each one of us so that we can hear from God and follow him, so that we could hear what God is saying about our futures and about what he has for our lives. You see, when the Spirit came, it didn't just come on the prophets. That's how God operated in the Old Testament times. There were special chosen people that could hear from God and then they would pass his message on. Moses was one of them. He would go up to the mountain of God and hear from God and then pass the message on. But it was never ideal because other people couldn't hear for themselves. They had to go through someone else. But when Jesus sent his spirit, the apostle Peter says these words in Acts chapter 2. He says, this is the promise that we've been waiting for. That your, the spirit comes and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will have visions and your old men will have dreams. What does that mean? I I used to think that the old men, well, you know, they're pretty old. And they sit up the back and sometimes the sermon's a bit long. Not that Pam is lengthy or anything. And they fall asleep and they have dreams, right? And the young men, no, they're not like that. They're young and they're full of zeal and life. And they sit up the front and and, and they're envisioning their 10-year draft plan for their life. Is that what it means? Uh Uh-uh. Visions and dreams was the main way that God spoke to the prophets. What was Peter saying? He was saying that this this ability to hear God's voice that the prophets had is now for every single person. Every person has access to the voice of Jesus through his spirit. So sometimes we go, wouldn't it be nice to have an angel? But God's saying, you have my spirit. You have my voice with you, going with you wherever you go. Because this promise was not just for the early church assembled that day, but this promise was for the next generation and the generations to come, everyone after that, that when I choose to follow Jesus, he gives me his spirit and he speaks to me about my life and I can follow him. What does it sound like? Sounds like the voice of the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you know it's God? The question that we all have. Sometimes we look at those Old Testament characters. I don't know about you, but I read them and it says things like this. And God spoke to Mary and Joseph. So they went to Egypt. Just like that. Have you ever looked at that? God spoke to Abraham. Do this. Leave your land. Leave your country. So he does. (laughs) What's really going on behind the scenes? You see it a little bit in Gideon. You see, what God had said to Gideon was pretty out there. Have you noticed? He didn't just say, Gideon, I want you to lead this land, this this nation out of trouble from the Midianites. But, you know, know, at first Gideon's like, oh, yeah, okay, I I think it's you. Okay, so he's got a little bit of faith. And he goes, all right, I'll put the call out. So he puts the call out. And guess what? 30,000 troops respond. Awesome. 30,000. Ah, it's okay. We're still outnumbered. But, you know, maybe maybe we can do it. So he's in his tent. And he's doing some calculations. He's working on his Excel spreadsheet. He's going, hmm, if I plan this this way, I'll make this strategy here. Yeah. Oh, maybe we can do it. But God is watching. He's looking over Gideon's shoulder. And he says, hmm, 
yeah, maybe they can do it. So he speaks again. Gideon, I I see that you could do it with your 30,000, but I want to get involved too. Oh, I want to get in this too. I want to play. Can you cut it down to 10,000? What? 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 10,000? We're already outnumbered. That's, That's crazy. Is that you, God? Because if I get this wrong, I'm going to die. And not only me, but all of my troops. (sighs) Goes back to his tent. Okay. 10,000. Right. A little bit of recalculation. Maybe if I use the element of surprise. Fiddles around with his numbers. Looks at a new strategy. Maybe if we, bit bit of luck, bit of this. Maybe if we, we can do it. But God is watching. He's looking over Gideon's shoulder and he sees. Maybe he can do it. So he speaks again. Gideon, I want to get involved too. So can you cut it down to 300? What? (laughs) How did Gideon know it was God? This was a life and death situations. See, sometimes God speaks to us and he calls us to do things we can't do. Have you noticed that? He calls us to do things that we don't have the resources for, where we feel inadequate, where we don't have the team that we need to have and we don't have the resources. He calls us into new ministries, into new places, into new relationships and we can't do it. And in those times, we want to know if it's God, don't we? In those times, we face the situations, we go, God, is that you? I want you to watch what God does. I want you to watch when we're full of doubt and we're full of fear and we're not sure. We're willing to follow, but we're struggling. God, is that you? I want you to see the heart of God in the midst of that situation. Have a look in Judges chapter 6. Sorry, Judges chapter 7, verse 9. I'm going to read you a couple of verses there. And I want you to see and watch what God does. Look at his heart for us. In the midst of our fear, in the midst of our doubt, God, I want to hear you. I want to know you. I want to follow you, but I'm just not sure if I'm getting it right. Judges chapter 7, verse 9. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. And if you are afraid to attack, do you get that? If you are afraid, God says, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they're saying. Afterwards, you'll be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. 
He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Did you see that? Did you see what God did? What what an awesome story. If you are afraid, what am I going to do? Go down to the camp and listen because I'm going to give the enemy a dream. Funny dream, hey? Did you notice that? What, what, what is that about? A dream of a speeding bread roll. <laughs> well, God was speaking symbolically, wasn't he? And in those days, barley loaf, barley bread, was a poor man's bread. The Israelite army was weak. And what is the Midianite begins to understand that this weak bread roll was coming with such power, such authority that they were going to defeat the Midianites. God was speaking. God was confirming what he was saying through the voice of another. See, this is what God does for us. Have you noticed? It's part of the blessing of having the Holy Spirit. See, I have the Holy Spirit, but so do you. And God can speak to more than one. He can help us to know that it's him. God wants to be heard. Do you get that? God wants to be heard. He wants to be recognized. He's not going to make it difficult for us. Oh, guess what I'm trying to say? For the person who's willing to follow, he's able to make his voice crystal clear so that you can say, let's go. This is God. When I went to my church, the first six weeks were were good. God had spoken, hadn't he? And yeah, he was going to build his church and he'd called me to do this. And but it was worse than I thought. Building was run down. No team. I was all alone. We had no money. By the sixth week, I didn't want to go to church anymore. Which is a bit of a problem if you're the pastor. By week eight, I'm thinking, yeah, I don't know if God spoke after all. By week 10, how do I get out of this? Went back to my pastor. I know. I remember what she said when she first gave this to me. She said, Tanya, by the way, don't think this is your new church. It's so bad, I wouldn't give it to my worst enemy. She'll understand. (laughs) So I went back to her. She said, what's your recommendation? Well, gee, not a very good situation at all. You were right, really bad. And you know, I, you know, I've thought about it from a from a common sense perspective, from a, from a leadership position. Everybody says that this the best thing to do. Everyone says that I should just close it down, and we'll just find another church for those five people. So that's my recommendation. She says, "Have you prayed about it?" Yes, of course I prayed about it. Well, maybe you should pray a little bit more. (laughs) Why? Because the Lord spoke to me this morning. And what did he say? That you should restart it and lead it yourself as a new church. God spoke. 
confirmed it through the mouth of another person. He wanted to be clear. See, this is what God does. He confirms his word. When we're facing struggles, when we're fearing, when we're doubting, we go to God and we go, God, I, I just want to know if it's you. And look what God does. Look at the heart of God in the midst of our doubt and in the midst of our fear. This is a God who wants to be followed. This is the one who said in the, through the words of Jesus, my people will recognize my voice. My people will recognize my voice. He wants to be known. The third question, what do we do with it when it comes? What do we do with it when it comes? You see, God had spoken to Gideon. He'd given him a prophetic dream. He'd confirmed it multiple times. And then what? Well, Gideon just didn't sit on his hands and say, well, if it's God, he'll do it. What did he do? He said, get up. Let's go. He got his army together. He took God's word and he believed it. And he went in faith. See, we talk a lot about faith in church, don't we? What is faith? Well, faith is just believing what God said, isn't it? It's just believing that God's words are powerful. It's just believing that God's words don't return void, that he sends them out and he watches over them to perform them, that God's words bring miracles. So Gideon gets his army, his pathetic little 300 people. He gets his little trumpet would have made a great salvo. He gets up and he crashes a few jars and he says, God has given this army into our hands. And what happens? A miracle. Because they don't have to do anything. The whole Midianite army is thrown into chaos. They don't have to lift a sword. You know, God wasn't even into violence anyway. The whole army disperses and they see the hand of God, the God who wanted to get involved. The God who wanted to be seen. We can't see God unless we leave him room for the supernatural to work. Our faith invites the supernatural in. When we step out into unknown situations that we can't handle, that's when we see the hand of God. You will never see the miracles of God if you stay safe. You will never see it. You can live life on your own. That's why God wouldn't allow Gideon to go out with his 30,000 troops. I want you to see my hand. I want you to see my glory. I want you to know me. I want you to take my words, which are faithful and true, which are full of power, full of authority, and I want you to believe me. I want you to believe me. That's all it takes. You may be weak, (laughs) as weak as a bread roll. Doesn't quite work, does it, in our culture? But you know what? I'm going to add such weight. I'm going to add such speed to that that you are going to defeat the enemy in ways that you could never imagine. Everyone's going to see it. I took my word from God. I stood up and I said, let's go, us five ragtag team of people with our body odour, and we're going to go and we're going to defeat the enemy. I can tell you, (laughs) we're as weak as a barley bread roll. 
But we kicked some butt in that place and we had a blast and we saw the miracles of God. We see lives being changed. We saw resources coming in. We saw leaders coming in. I saw the hand, the miraculous hand of God building the church as he said he would do. His word is faithful always. And all we have to do is believe it. All we have to do is listen to it. All we have to do is position our hearts. It's not hard to hear from God. We muddy the waters when we're not willing to follow, but for the heart who wants to follow He's saying, God, I just want to know you. God, I just want to do your will. He will make it clear. He will make it clear. You know, I I teach a lot about how to hear the voice of God, and we talk about the mechanics, but more than anything else, the way to hear clearly from God is to position your heart. It's just to say, God, I put aside my agenda. I put aside my interests, my purpose, and I say, God, your will be done. I want to be used of you. I want to know you. And for the heart that positions itself like that, his word is able to be clear. It's able to be sent forth. It's able to have a harvest on that kind of soil. That's what our God is like. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. You know, God speaks some ridiculous things sometimes. You know, talking to Pam before and when they started this church and we were just having a giggle about it. You know, the church is full of people who don't know what they're doing. (laughs) Ian's going, yeah, (laughs) off the back. Oh, yeah, we're just people who believed God. We heard the voice of the Spirit. We were Gideons. We were the least in the family, the least in our tribe, the youngest, <laughs> the ones who don't know what they're doing. And we say, God, we give you what we have. And we want to do mighty things because we've got a world to touch. We've got so many lives to reach. Those 3,000 people that come to that carols event, the chance for them to experience the God that we know. This is why we do it. This is why we overcome our fear. This is why we say, God, I believe you because there's a world out there that we need to reach. And God is calling every single one of us. It's not just for the pastors. It's not for the leaders. It's not for the strong, for the capable. It's for sons and daughters, young and old. There is nothing that stands in your way apart from a reluctance to listen. So we come to God and we say, God, I, I come before you. And God, I surrender to your purposes. And I say, God, speak to me. Show, show me what it is that you have for me. I want to hear your voice. And sometimes I'm like Gideon. <laughs> I'm scared and I'm not sure. Lord, will you help me to hear the God who wants to be heard, the God who is able to speak. Father, we receive your word this morning. Maybe you're in that place where you think you've heard from God. You're just not sure. Just present your fear to God. God, I, I press into you. I'm listening, God. Show me your ways. I put aside my agenda. I put aside what I want. God, I seek you first. Help me to follow. Give me courage this morning. So God, we believe you today to move mountains. Lord, we believe in your promise that your word doesn't return void. Your promise always stands. We take a hold of your word. 
God, we want to be strong because you have spoken. Just receive his strength this morning. Faith, courage to do your will. More of you, God. More of you, Lord. Let us be a people of vision, your vision, of dreams, Father, the impossible. For your glory, God, that we may see you on earth, that we may see you in North Lakes and beyond, Father. We call out to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.